0: Well, this Easter series, we are, or Easter series, I guess there's, there's just one. Uh, but we're talking about proof of life. And uh, if you're on social media, just, uh, just do hashtag proof of life. And if you want the sermon notes, info at bridgechurch.cc, and we'll get you those sermon notes. Well, we come together on Easter to celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. And we're going to talk about what happened that day when some women who were friends of Jesus and Roman guards experienced this firsthand and the plan of deception that was put in place to refute that Jesus rose from the dead by the religious rulers. So in Matthew 28, 11 through 15, we're in the uh, Amplified Version. It says, while they, the women, were on their way, some of the Roman guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests, the Jewish leaders, everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had gathered with, the, with their elders and had consulted together to develop a plan of deception, they gave a sufficient sum of money as a bribe to the soldiers and said, You say this. You say his disciples came at night and stole him while, they, while we were sleeping. And if the governor Pilate hears about it, we will calm him down and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money, they were paid for lying, and did as they were instructed. And this fabricated story was widely spread among the Jews and it's to this present day. So this passage is all about bribery. It's all about a lie regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Godfrey Hardy, a Canadian scientist, asked two very important questions about the resurrection one has anyone ever defeated death and two did he make a way for me to do also hardy found the answer to both those questions he certainly found the hope of his own eternal life in the resurrection of jesus and yes someone did defeat death which was jesus and yes he made a way for you and me to defeat death. The reality for each one of us is this. There is no hope, no hope of life after death, no hope of eternal blessing and joy apart from the resurrection of Christ, apart from his resurrection. Yet a vast majority of people reject it and let there be no misunderstanding to reject the resurrection for whatever it is to forfeit all hope of future and of, of future hope to come and now. It is to condemn one's own soul to an eternity without God. Because that's what heaven is all about. Heaven is being in the very presence of Jesus for all eternity. And it's to condemn one's soul to eternity without God. And in so doing, the unbeliever not only loses their future but also loses the meaning and the value of their presence. Because if a person's future life has no meaning, then how can their present life have any meaning? In Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon said, God has planted eternity in the human heart. Everybody wants to live forever. I've never met anyone that just wants to live here and now and not forever. So to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ is to go against the grain of what God has set in the human heart. The religious and philosophies of the human race throughout all history reflect a deep desire for eternal life. And this God-given desire can never be satisfied with the temporary life of this present even if you know jesus as your lord and savior and you know you will be in heaven forever there is something deep inside of you right now even if you know jesus that longs for something more that longs for a day when there's no more pain when there's no more sin when there's no more heartache it it lies deep within you and this god-given desire cannot be satisfied with the temporary life of the present. I don't care how much money you have, you still long for something more. Listen, man, I, I, I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have, I have my, my family. I got four kids. And I have everything God could have, could, have ever, I could have ever asked for. And yet I know that there's more to this life than just what I see. And I cannot wait to finally be home with the Lord. This means that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the key to our hope of eternal life, the only key. Jesus said in John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. The resurrection and the life. Now, I have a tendency, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to believe someone who rose from the dead. And if Jesus said it, you can believe it. I love that third song that we sing the anthem. It says, You have won the victory, you have won it all for me. Listen, man, I want that song played at my funeral. All right? I, want, I want a celebration. I want want the band, I want to be rocking out, I want jeans and t-shirts, forget all this stuff, man, I want that. Listen, I'm going to be home, and I want us to celebrate together, all right? So, babe, the anthem, remember that, all right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that if Christ did not rise from the dead, then no one has any hope. No one has any hope. Then Paul said, but if Christ did rise from the dead, we have hope of eternal life. Listen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then let's go home because we're wasting our time. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if he didn't rise from the dead, then his death is no different than anyone else's death. But he rose from the dead and he conquered it. What's the big deal if Jesus really raised from the dead or not? The resurrection is essential. For eternity. in spite of these words of absolute truth, men continue in their doubt and unbelief. not only non-religious but religious ones as well. Listen, Christianity is not a religious. religion is what can I do to earn favor with God? Christianity is a relationship with Jesus. That's it. It's about what He did to make us right with him. I remember when my wife and I, we did missions in North Africa together, and and we ministered to to men and women uh, that were were Muslim and uh, and didn't know Jesus. And, and man, so many conversations we had with with them talking about, like, like, hoping they've done enough good. It's like a scale, hoping they've done enough good to outweigh their bad. Listen, there is nothing, there is never enough that we could do to get right with the Lord. There's nothing that we could have ever done. And through the years, there have been many many explanations offered to explain the truth of the resurrection. Here are a few fabricated theories that some of you may have heard. First, there is the common theory that that, that the reason Jesus got up out of the grave was because he never really died. To begin with, the shock of the wounds and the loss of blood sent him into a semi-coma, and the aroma of the spices and the coolness of the of the tomb revived him, and the disciples assumed that he was resurrected. Listen, that's cray cray, man. No one ever survived a crucifixion. I, I was reading an article yesterday about medically what happens to your body. During a crucifixion. There is no way you can survive that It was the Roman soldiers job to make sure that the person who was being crucified was dead That's what they did. This wasn't their first go-around. They did that Alright, so so they knew that their job was on the line to make sure that whoever was being crucified was dead second, there's a theory that says Christ was never put in the tomb So obviously, since he wasn't there Friday or Saturday, we don't expect him to be there on Sunday. Third, there's a theory that says that people had such a strong desire to believe in Jesus' resurrection, they actually talked themselves into believing they saw him. There's a theory that says there was no physical resurrection. Rather, God sent back mental pictures by some divine slide projector and put them on the minds of people so they would think that they saw him alive. There's a theory that a medium conjured up uh, the spirit of Jesus through some kind of seance. And there's a theory that somebody tried to dress and look like Jesus to falsify the resurrection by impersonating him. Uh, Those of you that follow me on my Facebook, my brother-in-law sent me a picture of a guy in a bunny suit that looked kind of like me. And so I made it my profile picture yesterday, and everyone thought it was me. But it really wasn't. And the guy's not happy wearing a bunny suit at all. But um, you think about the disciples. They spent over three years with Jesus 24-7. Don't you think they would know if it was Jesus or not? Renan, the French atheist, tried to discredit the resurrection of Jesus by saying that it was based on the testimony of an eccentric, delirious, frightened woman named Mary Magdalene who had seven demons and was hysterical to the point of insanity. I'm assuming that Renan forgot about the 500 plus other witnesses and the 10 separate appearances recorded in the Gospels after his resurrection. G.D. Yarnold, in his book, Risen Indeed, suggests that, only three days, that in only three days, the body of Jesus simply evaporated in the tomb. Listen, man, some of these theories is harder to believe than the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. All these false theories leave a lot to be desired. If you're going to deny the resurrection of Jesus, there's really only one theory that you ought to adopt, and that's the one that the Jews adopted in Matthew 28, the theft theory. This theory says the disciples came and stole his body. I mean, if the body of Jesus didn't leave on its own, then it never was raised from the dead. So somebody had to have taken it. Theft is the only theory That makes any sense because it's the only one that really explains the removal of the body so if you go with the theft theory the next question is well okay who took it who took it the Jews wouldn't have taken his body because stealing it would not discredit the idea of the resurrection it would only feed it the Romans wouldn't take it because they had no interest in the issue the Romans could care less who Jesus was So the Jews were forced to come up with a lie that would be most believable, that a disciple stole his body. Why all of this trouble if he didn't rise from the dead? Why all this trouble? You want to know why? The Jewish leaders formed a religious system that basically made them God. The Jewish leaders loved people looking to them for everything. The Jewish leaders love to be in control, and all of a sudden, this guiding Jesus comes and messes up their world. Keep in mind that the Jewish leaders had been trying to get rid of Jesus since his birth. It started as far back as his birth, when Herod tried mass murder to kill him as a child. And so here you have Herod, who cared, killed all these all these baby boys. Because he didn't want, because he heard about a a, a child being born named Jesus, who's going to be the savior of the world. Think about the religious leaders. They used curses and accusations that he was some demonic, and they tried to discredit his ministry from the very beginning. They used betrayal to capture him. They used injustice to sentence him to death. They used blackmail to get him executed. They used force to keep his body in the grave. And now they use bribery to try to spread a lie about his resurrection. All of these efforts to be completely useless and only demonstrated the unbelief of the people. So let's examine the timeline of the events surrounding the resurrection. Jesus has been placed in the garden tomb on Friday, Good Friday. On Sunday around dawn, a group of women arrive at the tomb, As they approach the tomb, there is this earthquake. There's this violent earthquake. The stone that covered the entrance has been rolled away and is lying on the ground, all right? Like, this wasn't just like like a little stone that you just kind of push to the side. No, like, you needed uh, probably like a, a donkey. You need several people to roll the stone away. It was massive. And sitting on the stone is a blazing, flaming angel in white garments. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw an angel, that would probably be enough for me. I wouldn't need to see the the blazing and the flaming. All right? The angel announces to the women that Christ is alive and has been released of the grave, out of the grave. It's interesting to me that these angels, these blazing, flaming angels tell these women that Jesus has risen from the dead. Like, if it was me, I would have been like, okay, I'm gone. But women, God bless you. They got to go look inside the tomb. (laughs) Got any women in there that have to, you know? i got to see for myself. So they go inside the tomb, and the body of Jesus is gone. Now, don't forget, there were soldiers guarding the tomb. In Matthew 28, 4, it says, When they, the soldiers, saw the angel for fear of him, the guards did shake and became as dead men, as dead men. So can you imagine these these Roman guards, these macho soldiers, these big old muscles, and they got all that armor? And they got their spear and these little skirts, <laughs> and they scream like little girls, like ah! And they just pass out, like they're so terrified. Have any of you ever passed out? You've been so scared. You don't have to say if you have or not. I'd never have, but 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 they just—they're so scared that they just fall to the ground like dead men. The Roman guards saw the angel, and their fear caused them to faint. They experienced the earthquake. They experienced the moving of the stone. They experienced the arrival of this angel. And it was all too much for them to even remain conscious. So as the woman leave the tomb to go back and report to the disciples what they have seen and heard, they are met by the risen Christ who speaks with them saying, stop being afraid and go tell all the disciples and I'll meet them in Galilee. Can you imagine these women what they experienced that day? What they experienced, they, 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 they came. I mean, all hope is gone. All hope is gone. And they're going to put spices and myrrh and, and all these uh, special um, smelling scents on, on, this, on this rotting body of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, they come to, with the resurrected Lord. And Jesus says, stop being afraid and go tell the disciples that I'll meet them in Galilee. So the women arrive in the city and begin looking for the disciples to report what Jesus said. The Roman guards have regained consciousness. And about 12 of them arrive in the city about the same time as the women. They have come to report to the chief priests all the things that they have experienced. So can you imagine this? Um, you know, all these soldiers kind of come to their senses and, 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 and they see that the that huge stone has been rolled away, Jesus is not there, and they have to go report this. Can you imagine them, like, the Roman soldiers saying, um, okay, uh, religious uh, rulers, um, you know, Earl and I here were at the tomb, and we're supposed to guard the tomb, because, you know, it's, it's the southern version. <laughs> Earl, Earl and Leroy and Billy Bob, all them. And they're trying to report what they saw. And they're probably like white as ghosts. And the guards describe the earthquake, how the stone has been removed from the mouth of the tomb, the arrival of a blazing angel sitting on the stone, and the tomb is empty. With this detailed information from the eyewitnesses, the Jewish leaders were so resistant to Jesus so blind, so sinful, so prideful, so self-willed, so locked in their own religious belief that they would not even investigate the eyewitnesses' report of the Roman soldiers. They refused to believe. After all of this evidence, they refused to believe. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God, little g, Satan, of this world has blinded their minds. So the news brought back shock and fear to the Jewish leaders, but it did not bring repentance, and it did not bring faith. So here you have these rigid, religious rulers who have all this evidence, and yet it still did not bring repentance. Repentance is turning from your sin and turning back to the Lord. It did not bring repentance and faith. And without repentance and faith, you have nothing. You have nothing. So they were informed about the resurrection. They didn't question the validity of the soldiers' report, but they refused to investigate it. What the Jewish leaders did was, was immediately say, we can't let this get out. We've got to stop it, whether it's a real one or not. We have to stop it right now. We're not interested in the truth. We're only interested in preventing people from hearing about this the Jewish leaders knew they could not allow people to think that Jesus was alive and that he is alive. They're going to have a far worse situation, so they have to lie about the resurrection. So they call an official meeting of the Sanhedrin, and in this meeting they create and pass a formal resolution regarding what they were going to do with this information about Jesus not being in the tomb. And it was a three-part resolution. First they would pay the Roman soldiers to lie. Second, the the lie would be that the disciples of Jesus came and stole his body. And third, the Sanhedrin made a provision to protect the soldiers who were going to be the preachers of this lie. So here's the point. There was so much proof evidence of the resurrection of Jesus, it was impossible for the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers to deny it. They knew that Christ had, by some supernatural means, left the the grave, and they could not refute that. I mean, if, if he hadn't actually left the tomb, they would have produced his body. So if they were going to deny the supernatural resurrection of Jesus, then they had to lie. What Matthew is showing us here is that this lie is absurd. It offends our reason, our logic. Listen, you're you're smart people. You know, I know we, we got some doctors in here and we got engineers in here. It offends our reason, our logic to deny the proof. Some of you are investigators here. Some of you are lawyers in here. It offends the facts. I know you're all about the facts. Matthew proves the resurrection by exposing this lie. Men had to be paid to say the disciples stole the body bribery was necessary. They had to pay the soldiers to say what the disciples came and stole the body while they were asleep. Matthew is telling us here in chapter 28 that whether you take the testimony of his friends or you take the testimony of his enemies, you're going to come up with the very same conclusion. So the conclusion of those who study the resurrection is that there is no other historical event that is as truly and thoroughly confirmed as the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. From the dead. You say, well, you know, we can believe in a a, a lot of things. Well, okay, you you follow people in history that died a a couple hundred years ago. How do you know they're alive? I mean, you you didn't know them. But you went on evidence of people that were with them. The Lord arose. The silliness of this hopeless explanation only demonstrates the reality of the resurrection. And because he lives, he gives life to all of those who believe in him. And here's the application. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if you you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart of a person believes, resulting in righteousness, being made right with the Lord, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation, deliverance from sin, hope, and eternal life. If you believe, listen, man, I know we live in the South, but just because your mom and dad, and your grandma and your papa believed in Jesus doesn't mean that you have an automatic ticket. You have to believe, you, and you have to confess with your mouth, with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and Savior. What a person believes about the resurrection of Jesus Christ determines that person's eternal destiny. What a person believes about the resurrection of Jesus Christ determines that person's eternal destiny. Salvation belongs to those who believe the biblical account of the resurrection. Salvation belongs to those who confess Jesus as Lord by identifying themselves as his committed followers. Listen, it's not about living a perfect life. Just ask my wife. That came out wrong. Ask my wife about me not living a perfect life. It's not about living a perfect life. It's about living a surrendered life. A surrendered life. That's what it's about. Listen, if, if you're looking for a perfect church, you are going to be really upset about the bridge. Because we're all jacked up, man. Listen, we all got issues. We all got stuff that we're working through. None of us are perfect, but those that believe are saved, and that's what matters. That's what matters. Some of you maybe have seen these before. These are uh, resurrection eggs right here. Have you guys seen these? They're really cute. We do these every year with our kids, and uh, actually, I guess Family Life made these, and they're like 20 years old but um so it's basically the gospel message and every year for easter we go through it with with our kids and and we really enjoy it and uh, sometimes we even do it when it's not even easter Um, and so you have the the little donkey that jesus rode rode in Uh, you have the cup when jesus was with his disciples the last supper you have the praying hands in the garden of gethsemane before jesus was was betrayed and and you have the coins here representing the coins that that judas uh, sold jesus to so the guards would would come capture him in the garden and then you got a little rooster that crowed three times when when peter denied jesus and and peter one of jesus disciples he said he said peter you know you're one of my closest friends but you're going to deny me you're going to deny me. And, and, he, and he denied Jesus. And the third time he did, he heard that rooster crow, and, and, and he ran, and he wept. You have the, the whip that said that, that Jesus was whipped. And almost you couldn't even recognize him. He didn't even look like a human being. He was so, he was so bruised. And, and then we have the crown of thorns that were laid on his head, and they mocked him. And they wrote, King of the Jews. The nails that were that were pierced in his hands and his feet. You have the spear that was that was put inside and, and blood and water just dripped out, confirming that he was di- that he died. And so you open these eggs up and and uh, and then you see what's inside, and then and then you have you have the cloth. And it said that when he died, that his body was was wrapped in cloth. And then you have the stone that was rolled away, the little pebble that was rolled away, and we just talked about that. And last but not least, you have the egg that was empty. This is our hope. That's our hope. So we had um, some of the neighborhood kids come over yesterday, and we did a big old Easter egg hunt, and, uh, and we, we also did this, and... Uh, these kids don't uh, really don't know Jesus at all, and, and they don't go to church anywhere. And so we're going through the eggs, and uh, and, and then we, we lifted lifted this egg, and we said we said, you know where Jesus went? <clears throat> and one of the and one of the kids, one of the neighborhood kids, he said he said, yeah, he uh, he came alive, and now he's a zombie. <laughs> so we had to bring a little clarification to that that Jesus is not a zombie and he doesn't go around eating people's flesh or anything like that. We said no. But I love that. I love the honesty, man. Like, he, he doesn't know. And we said that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, I think about scripture, and I, and I think about how Jesus says that you have to humble yourself as a child. You have to humble yourself as a child. And, and um, I have four kids, uh, my, but my, my five-year-old, Cash, He is probably one of the honest, most honest kids I know. And he just says whatever is on his mind. And I just, I just I just love and appreciate his honesty so much. You know, he'll tell you even things that you don't want to know. But but he is just honest. But what about you? Are you what's it gonna take for you to humble yourself like a child? And to just say, God, I don't understand and I need you in my life. I'm gonna set down my pride, and I'm gonna set down all the questions I have, and and even, even, even what I believe about how you're not real, and I'm just gonna humble myself, and I'm gonna believe in you once and for all. What is your response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What is your response? Because that's all that matters those who refuse to believe and explain it away commit spiritual suicide they have no hope of a glorious future with your creator and no more meaning for their present life no hope for the future no meaning for today those who believe will receive eternal life in heaven with their creator therefore their present life is filled with meaning and hope That's the message of the Christian gospel. That's the message. In Christ who died and rose again, there is hope now and life eternal. The resurrection is not just historical, it's personable. You have six people that were just baptized. And you have people that that, that, that they said that, that this was their life before Jesus. This, was, this is what happens to make them decide Jesus, and this is how their life has looked different after. You know, you can talk about scripture, and, and, and people can say, well, that's not true, but how can you refute changed lives? How can you refute that? I know we have spouses here that don't know Jesus, and maybe, you're, maybe your husband or your wife came to the Lord, but you haven't yet, And they're living for the Lord. They're not living a perfect life. It's not about a perfect life. But they're living a surrendered life. And you can see something's different about them. Don't you want what they have? Don't you want the peace and the hope that they have that they didn't have beforehand? What about the disciples? You had Judas, who was one of Jesus' close disciples. And he turned Jesus into the guards. And then it says that, that, that he hung himself. He killed himself. And then you have, then you have Peter who denied Jesus. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And he said, no, I won't. And he said, yes, you will. And he denied Jesus. What happened to Peter? And what happened to all those disciples? Because you know what? When Jesus was being tortured, all of them fled. No one could be found. They were in hiding because they thought that they were next. What happened from then where, 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 where they all fled and all of a sudden they encounter the resurrected Lord and their life changes and now they stand up in front of the religious l- rulers and stand up boldly for Jesus Christ and they say, you do whatever you want and, and man, they're, they're stoned and they're beaten and they, and they get back up again. And they get back up again. And most of them die like Jesus died. Many of them were crucified just like Jesus, you know, years later. What happens? Listen, when you come in contact and when you experience the risen Lord, your life is different. Your life is different. You cannot refute changed lives. How could God breathe life into you right now? Listen, God wants to give you hope now and meaning today. And he is the only one that can breathe life into you. He's the only one that can breathe life into your situations. The Starbucks coffee is is starting to come up right now. I'm getting getting fired up. Listen, Whatever, if it's your marriage right now that's falling apart, if it's it's a, a, a relationship, if it's your job right now, Where you hate your job, where you know you hate your life, if it's it's finances right now, God can breathe life into that and give you hope that you've never experienced before. But you have, you have to surrender. You have to. You cannot have hope and meaning without repentance and coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He paved the way, he loves you. He is not gonna force you to make a decision. He is going to prove the evidence right there before you. And we have no more excuses. We have no more excuses. 16 years ago, I was living a life that was not honoring Jesus. And I was sitting on the fence, and God put it on my heart. He said, Jeremy, either you're for me or you're against me. You can't sit on the fence any longer because Satan owns the fence. And I got right with the Lord, and I said, God, I'm I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back and 16 years ago when I did that I went into the Christian music store and that's before you could download songs and everything and I said man I want a Christian CD I don't know what I'm looking for Um, you know I got a bunch of Van Halen and Metallica in the car and some of you maybe have gotten rid of that when you came to Jesus. I still got mine because I still got some bad days where I need some of that stuff. You know? <laughs> just being real. And, uh, and so I'm like, give me a, give me a-, a CD. And, and there was this guy that had just came out, and his name was David Crowder. He had just come onto the scene. And, and, man, I wore that CD out. I mean, I put it on my big old boom box, you know, like if you try to carry it on your shoulder like you saw like in the wrap you know, videos, you like get a hernia. It was so big. I and mean, I wore that sucker out, man. And, and I was listening to a song this morning with David Crowder. And the, and the, and the title is Come As You Are. Come as you are. Let me, let me read the lyrics. It says, so lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too far. So lay down your hurt lay down your heart, come as you are. And then it goes on to say, there's hope for the hopeless and all those who've strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. Man, come home. It's time to come home. It's time to stop being a wanderer. It's time to lay down your life, lay down your hurt, lay down your sorrow, and come just as you are today. Let me pray.